You're listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. The blurred edges of the night can inspire excitement and transformation. The shroud of darkness emboldens some to reveal hidden aspects of their personality, sometimes with gleeful abandon. Attitudes and behaviors that are considered unacceptable during the day are explored, embraced, and celebrated. The night can be the only time you are who you really are, without fear, without judgment. So this episode gets pretty raunchy. If you're squeamish, you may want to cover your ears. But if you listen, you might find something precious in the trash. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Euphoria. How are you doing? This is Euphoria Glitter. Hi. She's my drag sister-ish. What does the night mean to you in general compared to day? Excitement. Excitement. Something new to discover in the underground. Okay. So what I heard from that was at night you're a slut. This is Hashugana, Tressa. Well, during the day, I'm sometimes in a business suit. I work in the corporate world. Okay. I work for the man. The man. Um, but at night, I work for the lady for man. For the woman. <laughs> I work for the woman. And I guess I wouldn't say their name when, we, when they say Ruby it. Ruby Blue Gender Bender. <laughs> Mother Chaka. Gareth Gooch. What does the night mean to you, like as compared to the daytime? What does night mean? Transformation. Hmm. For me at least. Especially right now, in drag. So you don't usually look like this? No, believe it or not. I, you know, I don't wake up and woodland creatures don't put makeup on my face, unfortunately. Um, I hate being out during the day. I love the night. The night life is fabulous. The day, the daylight is harsh for our makeup. Overhead lighting, please. This is, this is Redwood. Oh, the night is my world. Painted lights, city girls, something like that. <laughs> it's fun. The night is fun. All right, I'm going to go inside and get ready for this show. I'm going to go get a cocktail. Okay. Ten minutes. Ten minute call. Door horse. If you haven't figured it out by now, we're at a drag show. It's at a bar called The Edge in San Francisco's Castro District. It's known as a place where everyone is welcome. And I see everyone here. Old and young, singles and couples, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's a playful, happy vibe. Hi, I'm your host, it's Sue Costa. Hi, how are you guys? Did you all notice how pink my butthole was? Very fresh and very pink. That's called acting. My butthole deserves an Oscar tonight. Certainly does. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Monster Show. Who's never been here before? Alright, we got some virgins in the house. Well, welcome. You're going to see more things like the human centipede in Chile. That's what's going to happen. I would say... As a boy, I'm I'm quieter. I'm definitely shyer. Uh, putting on a wig is sort of it's intoxicating. It's like a drug, so it changes you. The wig and the, the heels are very important. Once those elements are on, then something shifts. So I'm definitely quieter. I am I'm somewhat reserved. I can be as as a boy, 
once I get to know someone well and in my close friends, they would probably very much disagree with that. But as I'm getting to know people, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just quieter and I'm really, I'm really quite normal. Like I just, you know, I just go to work and I come home and do logic puzzles for fun and I knit and watch TV and I'm not, I don't describe myself as cool. Like I just wear jeans and a t-shirt. I'm just pretty plain at the end of the day. How I look, I guess pretty average. Six foot, Italian Portuguese, brown hair, bluish green eyes, somewhat skinny, somewhat tall. This is Joseph. When I first met him, he was exactly as he described himself. A normal, nice looking guy, pretty unassuming. By the way, Joseph's not his real name because he's not out as a drag queen in his work life. I'm a therapist, a psychotherapist by, by day slash evening. It's private practice, um, so it's, it's varied. I would say most of my clients are fairly high functioning, just dealing with life. There's various relationship issues. I do have a lot of people who have recently moved to San Francisco and are just adjusting to a change in moving and getting the culture of it. Uh, and I work a lot with adolescents and young adults, as well as bipolar disorder. I love it. It really is great. It's uh, it's very rewarding. It's very it's very hard. It's unpredictable in the sense that there are days that it's really energizing and I get a lot from the work and there's days that it's really draining. So I do have days that that's all I can do. Like if I have a lot of clients in the day when I get home, I don't really want to talk anymore and I'm very extroverted <laughs> and being a therapist has made me appreciate introversion more and myself become more introverted. I need, like, I did not need alone time before or downtime, and I very much need that at this point. It probably is clear if you are aware enough when you read my profile online that, that I'm a gay therapist. Like, just, I feel like when you list that you work with LGBTQ clients, you're kind of outing yourself in a sense. But I, I sense a few clients that don't pick up on that, just the way that they talk. Um, and so when their homophobia comes up in a certain way or they say something very conservative, like I'm like, oh, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. Like most therapists, Joseph doesn't share a lot of details from his personal life with his clients. I'm pretty strict with those boundaries. There are obviously sometimes things that I'll share that uh, just to relate. It is important, for example, sometimes to talk about being gay. Um, so if I'm working with a client and that really is the issue, like they're working on coming out, I will share that part of myself sometimes just because I think that's important for them. They have no one else probably in their life that, that they know that's gay to talk to. Um, so that, so I have to think about what's going to help them. He does not disclose the fact that he has an alter identity as a drag queen. That's not something I talk about. <laughs> I will notice it comes out in the way that <clears throat> I'll show up at work and I'll be like, oh, look, there's a sequin on my shoe. Great. Or I'm aware that I have eyeliner left on my face still this morning that if I had clients, I would scrub a little harder and get that off. So it, it's not something I disclose. It's something that does come up. I do run into clients out in the world as Sue, and then I can't always tell if they recognize me. So just kind of gauge that, and if they bring it up, then I'll talk about it. The outward transformation from Joseph to Sue is profound, as I discovered while watching him become her over the course of an hour and a half. But it wasn't just the radical change in appearance that was striking. Sukasa was softer and flirty and flouncy. So all I've done so far is cover my beard, which really doesn't work because I have such a thick beard. So I mean, I just shaved and you'd never know it, but probably once the eyes are almost done, definitely when the lashes go on, 
you'll probably see it more than me, like, so my eyes will get really big and that's when she's coming. And certainly once I put my heels on, and then once the cold air of the night hits my mostly naked butt as I walk down the street. <laughs> Lashes, lips, and get dressed. Uh, it's a lovely severe red. There she is. Heels and hair are really important to me. Like there's, I think a lot of people have something that changes their personality. For some people it's like you put on the nails or you put on your corset or whatever it is um, changes them. And for me it's heels and wig. Classic Sue wig that I've been wearing. The joke is I wear the same wig all the time. I'm gonna go with really fancy pearls tonight. And I like the way they fall right in between your boobs so it really gives you a lot. Right, gives you a lot of boob. Sue, my name is Sue. Sue Casa, my name is Sue. Sue. And then Sue comes out and she's tragic and trashy and um, a little in your face and louder, more offensive, definitely tells jokes that I would never say out loud as a boy. <laughs> and obviously just more social. I know my scruff profile says 6'7", but that's in heels. <laughs> so yes, when I'm wearing heels, I'm about 6'7". Sometimes people will, will say she's pretty, and I think she can be. It's not her goal. She has been wearing the same wig for a decade. It literally has dreadlocks in the back. It is a mess. It's just full of stuff. It barely gets washed. It's, it's pretty bad. And she's known for huge blue eyeshadow. Just, I have big garage door eyes, and my eyebrows are way up here at my forehead, and just a ton of blush, just a shit ton of blush. And pretty huge clown lips, and so it's often referred to as clown drag. There's a form of, of drag which definitely is more comedic and clown-like, and so it's big features and, and clown-like. She is also known for wearing t-shirts as dresses. Um, so she has a little saying, which is, well, if you can't see my balls, it's not drag. But then I'd just be a woman. So it's very short, you know, ball-length gowns, as I call them. And I'm going back and forth between third person and first person when I talk about Sue, <laughs> which is always a funny thing. And she's usually childish, um, Offensive, disgusting, and irreverent, but there's a lot of numbers that I will do that involve, you know, fake blood and vomit and poop, and I like to get messy on stage. It's a very clear character. And, and that's evolved. It's not always what Sue was, and I actually used to play around with a different name or a different look, but it just sort of landed in this place, and that's how I feel um, in, in drag. In 2004, when the first round of gay marriage happened, um, we went to celebrate in the marina. And so we went and grew a queer bar. And so I wore a bridal gown that I got at the thrift store and my roommate wore a powder blue tux. And so we decided, you know, because we're just roommates that we were married, but we'd obviously sleep with other people. And so we developed the names Sukasa, which obviously means your house. And he became chez moi, which is my place. And so the joke was, your place or my place, which one of us do you want? I am all over the place. So I do the Monsters show uh, every Thursday at the Edge. 
Uh, I co-host that with uh, Sugar Beaties and Roxy Cotton Candy and DJ MC2. So the Monster Show was created by Cookie Dough, and it's been it's the longest running drag show in the Castro. I also perform a lot at a party called Something at the Stud, and then I perform a lot at Oasis, which is a new club, and it's it's like a legit cabaret nightclub. Some people are like, how do you put that together, being a therapist and a drag queen? For me, it's actually this really healthy balance, and it allows that part of me to come out in a way that truly is healthy and really, you know, does have its boundaries to it. But it's, you know, just in a very specific part of my life. So it is, it is me. It's very much a part of myself and it's, for me, become really an outlet. It's given me a place to kind of funnel parts of myself that maybe are inappropriate, right? And in other parts of the world are just sort of behaviors that you shouldn't do. But when you're wearing a wig, you're on stage, people expect you to behave a certain way. So you're, you're allowed to. It gives me some sort of authority. I can walk over and say hello to anybody and they have to just go, hi, you're obviously important. You're wearing a wig, so you must be important. You must be somebody. It's like permission to just misbehave. Um, and so it allows that part of me, uh, and it's a very childish part of me, to still live and, and really be validated and I think, you know, for me, it feels like a healthy balance. It is my therapy in a way, something that releases whatever I'm dealing with from the week. There are definitely drag chasers that exist, men who are turned on by drag queens. I really, and I don't want it to be a turn on myself either, so I don't, I don't really like when somebody is turned on by Sue. I. I wanted to do nothing for you. I'd like you to see it as a comedic expression and have it not be connected to sex. So, I mean, there's a sexual element, but there's some people who are turned on by drag and a lot of people who are turned off by drag. And so that's that's a challenge in the dating world, right? Like, <laughs> um, what I, I call my bedroom sometimes a boner killer. Like you walk in and it's just 15 wig heads staring at you and it's kind of sad. There still is a diagnosis of transvestic fetishism that exists in the DSM. It's ludicrous. So diagnostically, so in the DSM, right, it's that you get sexual pleasure from, from um, you know, wearing women's clothing, women's panties. But the, the main feature of all the, you know, they're called paraphilias is what they are. Um, so, and it sucks that you know they're all listed together so transvestic fetishism is one but then that's also you know linked up with frauderism and pedophilia like that that's all together right as seen as in i mean homosexuality was taken out of the dsm just before i was born like the year before i was born i still work with many colleagues who worked as therapists at a time where they diagnosed homosexuality as a mental disorder so a lot of changes still need to happen, but the main feature of any of those paraphilias is that it causes somebody social distress. And so it's those ones like that, that the problem isn't them, the problem is society. The reason it causes them problems is because people judge it, people make fun of it. It could be life-threatening in circumstances. It actually took me a lot of work to get healthy enough to be this drag queen, right? That is important. Like what I'm doing, the way that I have found a balance is really healthy for me. You can disagree. I don't really care, but it is what keeps me balanced. And 
I have some friends who will attest to that, that without Sue, I was not quite as balanced. <laughs> and so she's been really helpful in, in that way. You know, people still want to pathologize it and make it again that you're doing something, you're a freak, and it's not. It's a really healthy expression. There's actually a great deal of people in the drag community that are also in recovery, and a lot of them discovered their drag persona as part of recovery, right? Like, it's also a way to be out in a bar and you don't actually have to drink. In some ways, I think I just fell into it because it's it's kind of what gay people do. It is, for me, I think a way to... I guess reclaim a, a part of myself that wasn't okay when I was younger. I definitely was that that kid when I was three and four in school. I would play try to play dress up, and I was told very early not to do that. Boys don't wear dresses. Anything that was perceived as feminine was not okay. And those are the things that people would then pick up on and you know call you faggot and make fun of you. And so it's for me embracing that and then exaggerating it and kind of like, fuck you. I'm gonna be as feminine as I want to be. And even hesitate with that because it's not always feminine, like my legs are hairy. And I know that, you know, it, I, I don't intend to be offensive to women. And I know sometimes it feels offensive because we sort of we're not making fun of women, I think is how it can come across. But I'm actually embracing the feminine part of myself. And so by exaggerating it, it feels like it's out there and you you have to see it. Sue is describing a need to be seen, something we can all relate to. But for her, that requires stepping outside the daytime glare of the conventional normal. When I think of the night, I think more of nightlife. My transition is into the nightlife. Daytime drag does feel very different. There's a, I guess, a comfort and a safety in the night. It's much better lighting when you're walking down the street, right? In your makeup. <laughs> so daytime drag, is it feels harsh to have that light on your face and not feel shielded by the night. Sort of like a nice soft filter. Definitely an, an emotional difference. The, you know, the old 80s song, The Freaks Come Out at Night. There's a safety in it, right? There's an expectation that that's when people who appreciate that are more likely to be out. And so there's a, you know, when I'm out during the day, I'm going to walk by children and families and people who are at home by 8 p.m. and don't see this sort of thing. You know, that look is just not daytime appropriate. Often, like, because my t-shirt dresses are so short, it's just my ass is just hanging out, so that's not always appropriate for all ages, things like that, like there's just, I'm, I'm not as welcomed. I guess, by, by the daylight, and it's harsher. And so there's just a, a comfort or an embrace that the night gives you. Historically, you know, drag queens being freaks, right? And gay people in general, queer people in general, are shoved into nightlife, are shoved into um, places that other people aren't. A lot, of, a lot of times, like, a drag show starts at 11 or 12 at night. You know, there's just a different set of norms or rules during the day, and so I just, you know, we all go to work and, and do our jobs, and then your job is done, and then you go out at night, and there's a, just a different set of rules when you're going out at night. 
the night is about fun. There's there's just more of a freedom in the night, and it's like a playground for me. It's and I think that's for a lot of people that's what the night is. Like you have a day job, you're expected to be a certain way. I think everyone has a certain professional mask that they wear. That that varies, but you are operating again by different rules because you're usually at work, and then you're off work, and yay, I'm off work. Now I can unwind, I can relax, I can be less boundaryed, I can put on my mask, which is just me. The rules are a part of life, but so is joy. As I listened to Sue and watched her embrace different parts of herself, it became clear that she's achieved something pretty rare, balance. I think life should be fun. I feel like people are losing that ability to just let go and have fun. You know, unfortunately, they do it in ways like drugs and alcohol, where that's a really quick, easy way to turn your brain off. And so drag, for me, again, is a drug. And it's like, it's intoxicating as well. You put it on and it allows you to escape into something else. Being carefree is what vacation is for. I'm very serious all day long. And maybe that's a nice piece about the night is it's an escape. I encourage my clients to play all the time. Find that playground, whatever that is for you. It is important and you need that fun and it should be an escape. I have drag as this playground that I put this space aside for myself that I know, okay, I'm not available for the next couple hours because I'm doing this, I'm performing, and I'm just playing. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thanks to Sue Casa for sharing her story. She co-hosts a really fun podcast called Calm Down Queen. This episode included theme music from that show by B.B. Huxley and DJ Megalo. You can find links to Calm Down Queen and more music credits at nocturnepodcast.org. Special thanks to Brian Benson. If you're enjoying Nocturne, please spread the word. That's how we grow. And if you'd like to support Nocturne, we would love your support. If you go to nocturnepodcast.org, there's a little button at the top labeled Donate, where you can link to Nocturne's Patreon page. Patreon is a website where you can directly support independent podcasters and other artists. You can donate monthly at any amount, and any amount is appreciated. Nocturne is a proud founding member of The Herd, an independent collective of sound-rich storytelling podcasts. Another show from The Herd that I really love is How to Be a Girl by Marlo Mack. It chronicles the real-life joys and challenges of raising a transgender child. What's your favorite thing about being transgender? My favorite thing about being transgender is that I'm myself now. When you're transgender, you're more yourself. Do you think you would ever change your mind and want to be a boy? No. I just want to be a girl who likes ninjas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Find out more about How to Be a Girl and the other shows from The Herd at theherdradio.com. That's H-E-A-R-D. Thanks for listening.